You're listening to For Ama, an audio storytelling series about Namibian women and healing. What is the most difficult relationship you have been in? You may be thinking about a toxic ex or a situationship that went on for too long. But what about your relationship with your body? For many women, our relationship with our bodies has been complicated since childhood, especially if you grew up facing harassment, sexual violence, or shame about your body type. Today, we listen to the story of a singer-songwriter in Namibia. In a story about motherly love, eating disorders, and breast cancer, we talk about how to heal from our toxic relationship with our bodies. This is her story. My body developed too early, so everything was at an exhilarated speed. I think I was 10 years old, 11 years old. I already had my breasts. I got my period when I was nine years old. But it's a thing in our family to get periods very, very early in life. So I was always too fast for my peers. By the time I was 13 years old, I used to hate my body so much because I had breasts, they still were developing and I had my period. So I had to behave in a certain way coming from my background and my ethnicality. Uh, when you become a woman, then you have to behave in a certain way. You have to like know when to talk to guys, when not to talk to guys when you're on your period. So I went through this and 13 years old on the 13th. It was my birthday, it was my crown birthday. And I was so angry with myself. I used to like tape my breasts with um, a tape and I used to put on baggy clothes because I didn't want anybody to see. Because if you develop so fast, people also notice you that fast. So I was 13 years old, I was so angry and I just decided, no, I will not eat anymore. I will starve myself to death because I am just not in the mood for guys calling me from a distance and say, hi, my size, or you look ready, or you look ripe. And it's uh, big uncles and, 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 and guys, you know, approaching you from wherever you don't know them. And it was traumatizing for me growing up because I felt like I grew up too fast. So my, I'm still a child. So I was not ready for nothing. I went to school and I formulated this plan in the toilet. And the ladies, I was just thinking to myself, listen, if you go home now, no eating anymore, so you literally starve to death and you literally faint in front of your own eyes because you have to diminish yourself to become smaller so that nobody notices you. And that is when my journey started of self-inflicting harm on myself. And I didn't realize by doing this, I'm actually killing myself. Because I had a reason for everything. I just told myself, if you disappear, nobody will bother you, then you will be okay, then you will be normal and nobody will look at you. So when I turned 14, I think my hair started falling out. I was so sneaky. When I do eventually eat, I will throw it all up. I would be sneaky, sneaky, my dear. I would be very sneaky because I didn't want anybody to know. My periods fluctuated. My body went through the worst. And 
I still managed to convince my brother, please don't tell my mom, please don't tell my mom. I wasn't happy. I, I literally was the most unhappy child ever. But if you would have seen me, you would have thought she just have a lot of stress. She's overworking herself, but she's happy because I always had a smile on my face. I always knew how to cover up and say, listen, um, I'm fine. I just didn't eat today. Why are you fainting? You just fainted at choir rehearsals. What's wrong? No, I didn't have breakfast this morning or too much responsibilities. Then the principal will say, no, maybe it's too much responsibilities. Try to delegate to the deputy head girl or what. And I'll say, no, I'm fine. It's maybe just I didn't have breakfast today. I always had the I didn't have breakfast today story. And grown-ups, they think, okay, you have it under control. You're very disciplined. You're a very high, intelligent human being. You know what you're speaking about, what you're doing in school. Grown-ups love you. Teachers love you. So you get it under control. But I was literally falling apart. I still convinced my mom, I'm fine. I just felt like, let me not worry her. Let me just, let me just live my dad was there, but he didn't notice because I'm a girl. He just think it, she's going through the growing pains. When I'm with him or with them at home, I'm happy. I'll cook because if I'm at my own space, I wear the clothes that makes me comfortable and then I'm just a normal girl. But the minute you sent me to the shop to go buy something, I will take forever to like dress because I need to make sure my breast is tight. I must bandage it. And then I will wear baggy clothes and then I will have a hat on my head and then I will go wherever he sent me. So normally you would just say, no, it's maybe growing pains or because of the fact that I grew up with two brothers. So he thought I'm being tomboyish. And when my mom, she stopped studying and she graduated, then she came home and then she discovered, but I don't have a beautiful daughter anymore. I have this like ghost person, a moody, always angry, always unhappy. And then Something happened. The, a lump developed in my mom's breast. I think it was the right breast. She had to go for an operation and afterwards they just told her, no, we have to remove your breast because it's cancerous. And then she removed her right breast. When she came from hospital, she was timely putting ointment on her wound and I walked past. My room was just in the same corridor. And I can, I can remember that she didn't look, the way she attracted me was because she didn't look sad. For me, I always thought when she came from hospital, she was a little bit in pain and I thought she is sad also. So I never asked her. But when I walked past, I saw her smiling and she was busy with her face and then her wound. And I couldn't understand why, uh, why are you smiling? Why are you not sad? Why are you not crying? You lost something on your body that's making you a woman. So why are you not angry or sad? And I decided, no, let me go ask her. It was actually, it was actually better for me to walk past at that specific time because I was also planning to do something again, self-harming to myself. When I walked past, I was so angry and hurt because I'm also struggling with my body and now all of a sudden I see her without a breast so that like literally blew my mind so I just thought to myself my mom maybe she feels ugly because of what she's going through and I can remember I sat with her and talked and said, how 
how do you feel not having a breast? Because I don't want mine. I can give you mine. And then she told me, you know that you only have one body. You don't get another one. So if I now take your breasts, where will you get? And I'm like, no, I don't want mine. Uh, mine is too big. I don't want it. It doesn't fit on my body. It doesn't fit me. I don't want it. So you can have it. And then I started telling her, the boys are always making fun of me and making remarks. And the ladies at school, the big girls, they always think I'm ready, I'm ripe. And they want to introduce me to guys. And I don't want to be introduced because I'm still too small. And then I took her through my whole suffering for the past two years. And my mom, she literally cried, broke down and cried and said, I'm so sorry that I was not here, but I had to like finish my studies to provide a better life for you guys. So I'm so sorry. And then she told me, your body is structured like this because of your heritage. You're a breed, a rare breed, a unique, beautiful person. And if you don't see that, I don't know how to tell you because you have hips that I don't have. And you have the length that I don't have because she was quite short. And uh, you have all the things that I, when I struggled growing up, that I now see in you. And I'm so happy that you're having it because it means you don't have to struggle like I used to struggle. Because she was tiny framed and I got my big bone body from my father's side. And since that day, I just... Something clicked in my head because I, when I spoke to her, she told me, I'm still so beautiful. And I asked, but why? You don't have a breast. How can you be beautiful? And she said, yes, because I'm still a mother and I'm still a sister. I am still your mom. I can still give you a hug. I still, I still am a beautiful woman inside out. It changed my mind that specific day. And I decided, listen here, you big bound, you will never be a size 10. Eat, my dear. Don't stop eating this nonsense, this story of not eating. And just grow into who you can become and just start loving yourself. Because that is that is the day my mom started with the first lesson of loving yourself. So that was the most horrific and beautiful experience of my entire existence. Because it's the day that I started to learn to love myself and to embrace who I am and to understand that not all of us can look exactly the same way. So for me, the paradigm shift happened that specific day when my mom went through her worst time in her life, but still had the courage and the, and the beauty to show me the power of self-love started to see what she sees she always had this thing of if you could only see you through my eyes my mom was like my everything she passed away 15 years ago so she was like my mentor my my everything i struggled to to get up and go on with life because I couldn't, because my best friend, my whole entire existence was gone and I couldn't handle it. My father passed 16 years ago. He just followed my mom directly when my mom passed nine months after that, my father passed away. Literally, because he couldn't live without her. My father was my go-to person when I need to have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. I cannot do that. So I, I feel the loss and I feel the void and there's nothing that can fill that void for me completely. When I had my daughter in uh, 2013, I was so, so sad because I really wanted my mom to be there in the first instance. And secondly, I didn't know how to raise a daughter. I was afraid I would not know 
my mom went too soon. She was supposed to teach me and tell me. It's still very difficult for me. Honestly, since my mom passed, it's difficult for me to attend any funeral. It's difficult for me going to any funeral or it's 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 still traumatic because sometimes I feel the loss I hide it some way and then when uh, say a colleague of mine is going through um, death in the family or somebody else in my family passes then I don't understand how to deal with it because I'm still then I literally feel like I'm breaking from inside again and again and again and again it's difficult for me I will not lie to you it's difficult for me to have anything remotely involved with funerals or huh, I cannot I cannot handle it and that's why I say with my kids now uh, we make regular visits to my mom's graveyard and then I just talk to her I'm going there literally to clean the graveyard but also to talk and also to cry and so my kids they leave me when I do that they are there helping but they it's like they respect me enough to understand I need this People see you as a mother, you have to be strong, mm -hmm. but you are the weakest link. You actually need your family to go from strength to strength. So dealing with grief, I'm still, I'm still healing from that. I don't talk when I don't want to talk. And then they know, okay, today she's just inside her body. I will do whatever I need to do. I will cook and do whatever I need to do. I will literally be in the house, but not say a single word. And I will be so happy inside myself. You won't believe it because most of the time I talk. So when I take that one day where I just stand up, I don't even know when it happens. It just happens. Nobody did nothing to me. In the beginning, my son, when he was still small, he used to think somebody, somebody did something to me. I said, no, I just love being in me today. Yeah. All interviews were recorded with the help of Sister Namibia, 99FM and the Alice Rowan Swenson Fellowship Foundation. For Amma was created, written and edited by journalist and writer Amara Evering. Episodes were produced by Armand Jennings and all narration is done by Lachia Halfiku. We thank all participants brave enough to share their stories on this platform. All stories told in this series are from real people telling their real stories. However, for matters of privacy and safety, their identities will remain anonymous. Rights to this series belongs to Amara Evering and the Alice Rowan Swenson Fellowship Foundation. This is for Ama. That was for Ama, an audio storytelling series about Namibian women in healing. 